0: You have been listening to Sermon Audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit day3church.com. Who as a uh, child ever enters into an endeavor like a lemonade stand and they turn it into a career? <laughs> I mean, they, they kind of start out doing it just because... Uh, Maybe they, they've they seen it on television, or they see some other kids as they're riding through the community, they've set up a lemonade stand, and they start thinking, well, maybe they can make a little bit of money, and they get their dad to maybe put together some type of rickety stand, or maybe just, you know, the, the kids and some friends get together and cut a large cardboard box with an opening in it, and paint on the outside of it, lemonade 50 cents. And let's say it goes pretty good, they figure out how to make some pretty good-tasting lemonade, and... Uh, You know, all of a sudden, they're starting to, you know, run out of supplies, and it's getting bigger, and next thing you know, they're invited to go to the middle school game and set up their lemonade stand there. Except now, because it's getting pretty popular, what happens is they change the sign. Instead of lemonade being 50 cents, it says lemonade $2, you know? And it kind of continues to grow, and it becomes the point where it's not just a hobby anymore. It's more like some type of commitment, and and the, the the kid is now trying to figure out, all right, you know, what am I doing with this? Is this just something I'm doing as a hobby or because of the success? Is this something I need to think about as, as a career and the kids having to think about whether, you know, I'm no more employees, uh, the kids having to think about uh, you know, spreadsheets and stuff like that. And it comes to a point that he has to make a decision. You know, is this just a hobby or is it gonna be something something bigger in, in their life. Now, some of you have done that. You know, you've went through little hobbies like that. Some of you are thinking, I wish my kid would make some money. I'm all the time the one that's giving money out. Some of you are jealous because you think, my kid don't know how to run a spreadsheet. How dare that kid know how to run a spreadsheet? You know, that type of thing. But what I'm, what I'm illustrating is this. There comes a time that a person makes a decision, a commitment. Is this the direction I'm going in life or not, and that type of decision happens in a larger realm than, than just in business. It also is really important in things like relationships. What's the screen? I can understand that. Could you not? The very first date the girl wants to talk marriage. I think I could ease out of that too. You know. Uh, but he's talking about defining a relationship. And that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks, but the relationship we're going to talk about is not something like dating or marriage. We're going to be discussing and talking about defining the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ. Are we someone that's that's really, really committed to Him? Do we know for sure we have a personal relationship with Him? Is it healthy as it should be, or are there some changes that need to take place? Now I understand some of you might be here and it might even be your first time and, and, and maybe you came you know, just because somebody invited you. Maybe you're not too sure about this church thing and, and, and Jesus stuff and you're not really ready to you know, have a DTR type talk to define the relationship with Jesus. You're just kind of hanging out and, and, and I understand that. But Jesus invites us to have a relationship with Him. And, and since He longs for us and invites us to have a relationship with Him, we need to understand, not from our perspective, but from his perspective, what that should look like. Jesus said this in, uh, in Luke. And after we read this in Luke, kind of through the rest of the message, we're going to hang out in John chapter 6 if, if you want to find your place there. But Jesus said this. He, he said to all. He's turning around talking to people following him, to disciples. He says, if anyone would come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. We did a series all summer that we called Jesus Said It. And I'm going to be honest with you. Some of the stuff we dealt with during the summer, kind of some of the similar stuff we'll deal with in this Not a Fan series, didn't plan it like that, but I think maybe God did, so we ought to be really sensitive to what he's saying. He must be wanting us to prick our ears up and listen to this kind of stuff. He's looking at people who are following Him, and He looks at them, and He's telling them that that involves some personal cost. That involves denying yourself. In other words, it's not all about you. It's not all about your life. It involves a cost, like taking up a cross daily and following me. I mean, that's something, the image of a cross, that brings to mind sacrifice. It kind of helps us to see that He's calling us to a deeper commitment. If you're committed enough to take up a cross and follow somebody, that's a huge commitment level. And if we're going to define our relationship with Jesus, that's kind of how He defines it. it it's more than just saying, all right, I believe in Jesus, and now I'm going to heaven, and now I'll live any way I want to live. He, he wants us to have faith in Him, but that faith in Him needs to generate in our lives us being willing to deny ourselves and putting Him first and take up a cross and... And follow Him. Some in this uh, room, I hope, maybe are ready for the DTR talk. Some of you are ready to define the relationship. You are you're at a point in your life, you understand you need to do more than just date Jesus. You understand what I'm saying? need to do more than just date church, maybe. You, you need to make a, a larger commitment. It's time to go deeper with Jesus and be more personal with Jesus. And I think some of you want to do that, so you're probably willing to buy in on the front end of this series that you want to be more than just a fan, that you do want to follow Jesus, that you do want to go go deeper with Him. On the other hand, there's probably some of you that get a little bit shook up by that idea. And... For me to say something about going deeper with Jesus and in commitment and denying yourself and taking up a cross and following him, all that kind of stuff might freak you out just a little bit it, and it might give you just a little bit of anxiety to think about that because you see some of you are kind of comfortable where you are you're kind of comfortable right where you are with Jesus, and, and maybe you show up because you know you, you like the coffee or the, the bagels or whatever you can get off the table, or you, know, you like kinda being able to talk to people, or you like hearing the band rock out on a song, or you're wondering if I may have something funny to say uh, during a message. And, and I'll be honest with you, we kind of do that stuff hoping you'll come, but that isn't where we want to leave you. We don't want you to be comfortable in just that kind of relationship. That, that's why we want to define the relationship further. Today, we're, we're talking about this. We're talking about being a fan or a follower. Are you a fan or are you a follower? Are you just a fan of Jesus or a follower? Now, before you answer that, I understand because of the churchy thing we do and we grow accustomed to it, especially in this area, you know, anyone that's got their name on a membership roll or whatever church will well, instantly say, oh yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus. Because you know, that's just the mindset, you know, and, and we kind of, everybody that says, well, I, I know who Jesus is, and I think he's kind of cool, and, you know, I, I kind of, you know, like some of the stuff they do at church and things like that, you'll take that as criteria to define yourself as being a follower. But before you jump through that question too quick, and just with confidence say, yes, I'm a follower, you, you need to understand what we're talking about. <clears throat> the dictionary gives us this definition of fan, and this definition of a follower. Fan is defined as an enthusiastic admirer. And it's just kind of somebody that is watching the show, that's a fan. Somebody in the stand, somebody on the sidelines, somebody might be you know, rooting and hollering, but they're not really in the game. Follower is defined as this, a supporter of a person or a cause. Someone who comes after someone else, and we're talking about following Jesus today. A servant is costing you something. Your time, your talent, your abilities. An attendant, subordinate, in other words, he's the boss, Jesus is and you're not. And I really like this last definition of the word follower. An imitator, someone who copies or imitates someone else. And that ought to be our goal as Christians, those who name the name of Jesus, those who you know, say that we want to be followers of Christ. Here's the deal with that. It's more than just us having a title. We need to have as a goal in our lives imitating Jesus. Be- being Jesus in the culture that we live in. You being Jesus at the job or in your home or at school or whatever the case might be. Going beyond just being a a fan in in the stands or where you're someone that's participating in your your following. This past Friday night, I really, really, really wanted to go to the football game because uh, I I, I don't know what, you know, they've done to them at South this year, but all of a sudden they decided to beat everybody to death it seems like and I would not been yet and I you know wanted to go and then I'd been outside a good bit Friday for you know playing some things and different stuff and that cold air started hitting and my sinuses were bothering me and I thought oh if I go sit through the game I will not even be able to preach Sunday because all that's just going to you know make it worse what I was going through so I, as much as I wanted to go I told Big I'm just going to stay at home turn the radio on and listen to it you know so I was kind of a distant fan you know so some of you were probably there. I, I apologize to some of you high-brighton folks, but yes, South Caldwell beat high-brighton in football <laughs> this year. <laughs> yeah, And you, you, can, you can stand back and be a fan of that. But see, there's a difference between being a fan and someone that's down on the field running the ball taking the hit. Someone that's actually in the game. And that's kind of a distinction I want you to draw in your mind. As we talk about this today, the difference of being just a fan or a follower. We understand what it is to be fans of things. Some of us, like the illustration I just used, some of us are like sports fans. You know, t- today at, at 1 o'clock, I want to be home today because I'm a Panther fan. Last week, they played at 415 Last week, I had to leave the house around 5.30 to get here to play the Not a Fan movie for you guys that are going to be coming on, on Sunday night, being part of the small group that I'm, I'm leading here. Last week, as I'm leaving out the door at 5.30, the score is tied. The brand new quarterback, their first draft pick, Cam Newton's first time on the field as being the official starter and things like that. And I'm needing to go, but I'm wanting to stay. And I'm needing to go, and I'm wanting to stay. And I'm going out the door, kind of looking, you know, like this. Now, some of you that are huge fans are kind of saying to yourself, well, you know, why in the world would you do that? Well, you know, look, you stay and watch more of the game. See, here's why I did that. I want myself and I want all of you at Day 3 Church to be more than just fans of Jesus. I want us to be followers of Jesus. I'm a fan of the Panthers, but I'm not a follower of the Panthers. I I want to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And there's a big difference between those two things. Jesus wants us to be more than just admirers. He wants us to be more than just somebody that sits in the stand. Because you see, we can, in this church thing, we can kind of come and, you know, sit in our seats and get our program out and, and, and maybe engage in some of what's happening, like you're at a ball game or a celebration or a concert, and you know, maybe you're here because of some of the atmosphere or whatever the case is. But there's a danger, I think, especially maybe in the way we do church, there, there's a little bit of a danger that you come for the show. Instead of coming because you really, really, really want to be a follower of Jesus. There's a danger that you come more for what you can get from Jesus than you come to see what Jesus can get from you. There's a little bit of a tendency if we're not careful to make it about us and instead of making it about Jesus and making it about others. And you might show up and kind of you know, we'll, we'll show up and we'll sit and we'll be engaged, hopefully, and then we'll leave. And maybe you'll, as you're leaving, riding down the road, heading to get something to eat, you'll kind of give a thumbs up or thumbs down to the, the, the song, some of the songs, the song selection, the you know, music, whether it's too loud, whether it's too soft, uh, you know, whatever the case is, the sermon or whatever. And, and you're just kind of engaged like that. You're, you're a fan. And I get that because, you know, we ought to be fans of Jesus, but it needs to go deeper than that. Some of you are really fans of Jesus, you know. I mean, you, you come and you think, oh, I, I know that song. I'm going to really sing that song. People around me will know I'm, I'm a fan. Or if I tell you to turn in your Bible, maybe you're looking and you're, you know, you're really a fan. You're familiar with your playbook and you're trying to get there before anybody else is. And you're trying to show people how much of a fan you are because you know how to find the verses. And you're a pretty good fan, but you stop short of really being a follower. So that's why today, and all through this series, we want to define the relationship that we have between ourselves and Jesus. And to help us do that today, to, ask us answer, to help us answer this question, whether or not we're just fans or whether we're really followers, we're going to ask three questions. Question number one is simply this. Why are you here? Why are you here? That might sound like it's super simplified. In other words, might be thinking, you might be thinking to yourself, well, Pastor, you all know why I'm here. I mean, I love Jesus. That's why I'm here. I, I hope that's why you're here. I hope you're here because you love Jesus and because you're committed to Him and because you want to be a follower of Him. But I also realize there's potentially the chance that you could be coming for the wrong reason. And as I read through the Gospels, I find time and time again it's like Jesus draws a line in the sand and kind of based on the criteria that he gives out, this person's a fan, this person's a real follower. This person's just kind of the enthusiastic admirer and as long as I put on a good show, they're going to be around. But when I start talking about commitment, they kind of disappear. And these people that are interested in commitment to me and following me, they're the real followers. john chapter 6 verse 1 through 2 the bible says this after this jesus went away to the other side of the sea of galilee which is the sea of tiberias and a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick at this point in time in the ministry of jesus he was hugely popular mean he was doing all kinds of miracles he had been you know feeding people taking a few loaves and fishes and feeding thousands of people and you know hey free lunch involved huh they had to be baptist throw some food out baptist will come And, and, and they're seeing him you know heal the sick and do all kinds of miracles like that. So, so Jesus is really popular at this point in time. And, and he's got people following him, large crowds following him. He was doing all of these miracles, proving who he was. But you see, verse 2 tells us why they were coming. Verse 2 said it was because of the signs or because of the miracles. They were coming for the show. They were coming for the spectacle. They didn't care as much about some of the life-changing things that maybe Jesus was teaching. They were coming for the show. So in in light of that, in in light of, of Jesus' understanding in that day and time, a lot of the crowd that was following Him were following Him for the wrong reason, maybe we need to define our relationship with Him and we need to ask, Questions like that, you know, why, why are you here? Why am I here? What is, what is your because? They were following him because of the signs, because of the miracles. What is your because? Why are, why are you here? Because as I said a moment ago, maybe you come because, you know, hey, free coffee. I promise you it's not that great. I appreciate the guys that make the coffee. We're not giving you Starbucks. We just buy the cheap stuff. You might be coming you can grab a bagel and, you know, different things like that or whatever. You may be coming because of the chit-chat and the fellowship. You can stand out there and talk with some people before you come in. You, you may come because you like, the, you know, the band. You like hearing the drums and electric guitar and the bass and stuff like that. A little bit different than the, than the choir robes and things like that. That's why you come. Hey, that doesn't mean they're wrong and we're right. We just do it different intentionally to reach people that they might not reach. But maybe that's, you know, that's why you come. Maybe you come because you can come in here and we have kids ministry taking place so you can come in here and drop your kids off with somebody else and think, ha ha, I don't have to worry with that now. Or maybe you come because your kids have been and they like the cool rooms and the way the rooms are decorated and painted and things like that. Some of you may not even know this. You know, one of our rooms upstairs, one of our kids' rooms upstairs actually has a volcano built in the corner. We can make it smoke. We don't make lava come out. We can make it smoke if we want to. I mean, kids kind of think that's cool. They come in and think that's neat. We don't tell them, but here's a real reason we did it. There's a door on the side of it. If your kids are too mean, we're gonna chunk them in the volcano. I'm just I'm, I'm just joking. But maybe maybe that's why you're here. Maybe that's why you're coming. And, and you're not really coming. For the real reason, for the right reason. Maybe you're coming just because you're kind of like a, like a fan of Jesus. And that's why I think we need to define the relationship a little bit. Jesus did that with his followers, with people who were following him. He said things that really caused them to evaluate their relationship, their commitment level. Look, look at an instance of that here in John 6. Later on in the chapter... We find Jesus saying these things that kind of really force people who are maybe comfortable with where they were following Jesus as a fan to really define their relationship a little bit more. Look at these things that Jesus said. Jesus said, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. Now remember what he's done. Just a little while before this, he's taken loaves of bread and he's multiplied them and fed, you know, 5,000 men plus women and children, Okay. Now he's got all this crowd following him. He turns around and he looks at him. He says, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Now until you get to that last word, it kind of sounds, right, that's a little bit cool. I understand what he's saying. You know, he's been feeding us bread and stuff like that. He can make it happen. And then all of a sudden he gets down to the end of it. And he says, I will give for the life of the world my flesh. And it starts to get a little weird, doesn't it? Now, honestly, if you're in a crowd somewhere and somebody turns around and starts talking to you. And they start telling you that I'm the bread of the world and you need to eat my flesh. I'm telling you, you think it's a little bit weird. Look what else he says. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Now let me point out something. Jesus, God in the flesh, right? Jesus knew what was going on, right? He knew what they were debating. He knew what they were thinking even. Didn't even have to hear them say it. He knew it. So Jesus had already pushed their buttons a little bit. I want you to notice that Jesus does not say, Oops, I've kindly offended them. I better straighten it out. Don't want them leaving, don't want them walking away, I I better straighten out. Instead, look what Jesus does. Jesus understands what they're debating among themselves. So Jesus said to them, (laughs) truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and, notice what he says now, and drink his blood. Man, it's getting more weird, isn't it? I mean, put yourself in the crowd. Somebody starts talking and saying, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, I'm telling you, a little bit weird. Would have been to them. That's why they're having this debate. He says, unless you do that, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day, for my flesh is true food In my blood is true drink. So Jesus knowing full well how they're taking what he said takes it a step further, a step deeper. He's not trying to please the crowd. He's not trying to just make more fans. Now look what happens. When many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? But Jesus, knowing in himself that his disciples were grumbling about this, said to them, do you take offense at this? Then what if you were to see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? In other words, if you can't handle what I just said, Jesus is more or less threatening to do this. Watch this. Poof, I'm going to heaven, and I'm coming back down. I'm going to ascend right where I came from, and I come right back down. How would you like that? And by doing so, they understand Jesus is claiming to be deity. Jesus is claiming to be the Messiah. He's claiming to be the Son of God. So notice what happens next. After this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Do you see that? Read as well and as close as you can in Scripture. Nowhere does it say Jesus said, Oops, I call them to too big of a commitment. I've offended them. I better run after them because they're about to leave. Nowhere does Jesus do that. You want to know why? Jesus was not looking for fans. Jesus was looking for followers. We'll have something like that happen a little bit every now and then around here, not often, but about once every six months or so, somebody'll come in brand new I've never seen before, and uh you know they'll sit back there, and I may be standing on the back wall or something and uh long about the second song uh kind of depends on the band and the songs that we have long about the second song. I'll kindly see them will pick their Bible up and just kind of you know bow their head and just kind of walk out the door and then uh I, I watch them i don't go and grab them as they come back but i watch them i go and watch and they'll go on out in the parking lot and they'll get in their car and they'll leave and you see that's fine because here's the deal with that we're not necessarily a church for everybody we're a church that anybody can come but we may not be a fit for everybody you understand what i'm saying And that doesn't mean, like I said a moment ago, that doesn't mean other churches are wrong and we're right. That just means for that particular person, then there's plenty of churches out here that will fit their need. And we will fit the need of different people. But we can't run after everybody. You know, you can't have that mindset. Jesus didn't have that mindset. Jesus Jesus did not run after them and say, please you know, please come back. Instead, Jesus understood why they were following him. They were following him for the wrong reason. And he more or less says, let's stop for a minute. Let's call time out. Let's define the, what kind of relationship we have. Let me tell you some things and see how you respond to it. And they were not ready for the things that Jesus had to say. Basically, here's what Jesus did. And everything that Jesus said to them, Jesus, Jesus was offering himself to them. But he was talking to people who had been taught by religion that they needed much more than that. They needed this rule and that rule and jump through this hoop and jump through that hoop in order to be right with God. And here Jesus turns around and he says, if you want everlasting life, I'm it. I'm the bread of life. And for them it wasn't enough. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it. And they walked away. And Jesus did not chase after them because he did not want them just to be enthusiastic fans. Jesus wants us to be followers. He wants us to be here for more than just the show. He wants us to be here for him and seeing how we can be used in this world to reach other people for him. See, if you come here just thinking it's only about you, you're really coming for the wrong reason. We need to define the relationship. Being a follower of Jesus involves more than having a Christian t-shirt. It involves more than having a fish on the back of your bumper. You know what a fish on the back of your bumper or maybe a day three magnet that we give out to you on the back of your bumper does? When you have road rage on the highway, it just lets the people know that we're idiots like everybody else. That doesn't make us a true follower of Jesus just because we have this, these symbolisms attached to our lives. Jesus wants us to be, to be followers. And to be honest with you, if you're only coming for the show, please listen, please listen closely. If you are only coming to Day 3 Church for the show, and if you're not willing to take it beyond that and step up your commitment level to Jesus, it might be time for you to stop coming. Now, before someone starts saying, well, how dare him try and chase me off? I'm not trying to chase you off. By my nature, I'm a people pleaser. I am. I I really want you to stay here. But I'm going to tell you this I, I want you to be a follower of Jesus more than just a fan of Jesus. I want this church to be filled with committed followers of Jesus. Jesus did not want just fans, he wanted followers. And if all we're going to do is show up and be fans, why even show up? So the first question is this, why are you here? Second question we need to ask ourselves as we try and define the relationship with Jesus today is this, are you all in? Are you all in? In other words, log stock, and barrel, have you bought in to Jesus Christ, to being a follower of Him? Have you bought in to the church stuff? Are you all in with Him? Not just partially in, not just someone that kind of you know, comes and enjoys the show because, you see, Jesus wants commitment from us. We read the verse in Luke a few minutes ago. He wants us to deny ourselves, quit making it about us. He wants us to pick up a cross and follow Him. Jesus calls us to commitment. He doesn't want us... Just to be fans. He wants us to have the attitude of do whatever it takes to follow Jesus. He wants us to be loyal to Him. He wants us to be supporters of Him. He wants us to be imitators of Him. So I want you to notice what Jesus does after the crowd walked away. Jesus turns to His disciples after this huge crowd had walked away. He turns to the twelve. And he more or less opens a door and he says, Well, if you want to leave, go ahead and go too. He t- he said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? I mean, it's like an open door. Jesus threw out a thing about a huge commitment, about how important it was to follow him, about the importance of who he is. And the commitment level of buying into following Jesus, not just being a fan. And a whole crowd walks away. Be a convenient time just to slip away with the crowd, wouldn't it? He's been talking about denying yourself, taking up crosses. I tell you, it'd be a good time to slip away. But instead, they stay and Jesus turns and looks at them and he said, Are you going to go away also? In other words, are you all in? Would you notice what Simon Peter said? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Can I paraphrase that? More or the less, more or less, Peter said this. Jesus, we're all in. There, there's nowhere else for us to go, no one else to turn to. You're it. We believe you're the Messiah. We believe you're the Holy One from God. We believe you're the one that has the words that we need. We're we're buying all into it. We're all in. Jesus just had a crowd walk away, and then he runs the risk of chasing the rest of them off. But they're not just fans. Now, one was, and we'll talk about him near the end, but as far as Simon Peter was concerned, he thought, man, we're all in, and that's what he said. Judas, eh, we'll talk about him in a few minutes. But the disciples, more or less, were saying, listen, we're all in. You see, that's where we have a problem with the commitment level. I think when it comes to church and it comes to follow Jesus, we like to have this. Instead of having an absolute commitment to Jesus, we kind of like to have selective commitment. We kind of like to have the right to pick and choose where we want to follow Jesus and where we don't want to follow Jesus. But you see, here's a problem with that. Jesus is the manufacturer of Christianity. And He gives it to us as He wants us to have it, not for us to pick and choose. We live in a culture where we pick and choose. So that's we carry it over erroneously sometimes into church. Some of you will buy automobiles, like a brand new car from the manufacturer. And they build it and design it kind of the way they intended it to be. But because of personal taste and things like that, some of you will start to change it a little bit. You, you might, you know, put, you know, dark in the windows a little bit, you know, where somebody can't see in. Or you might go buy these huge chrome wheels and tires to put on it because you want to be kind of distinctive or, or change the exhaust out. I mean, some of these exhaust anymore. I hear something coming in the distance and zoom right on by, and I'm looking for a motorcycle, and it's a Honda coming through with an exhaust that big around, and you know they they put nitro inside the car and everything like that. Or some of you change out the sound system because you want all the people in your neighborhood to know when you come home at twelve o'clock at night that it's you. Because they can hear it bumping and thumping all the way down the road or at a stoplight. You know, you want people 10 cars away to be looking at rear of your mirror thinking, Who's doing that? And, and we'll do that. We'll customize things about cars, you know. Customize paint jobs and everything. You know, like the way you're painting, you got some weird idea, to talk to Brad. He'll paint it weird for you, won't you? The problem is this. There's nothing wrong with customizing your car. The problem is there's everything in the world wrong with customizing Christianity. We don't have the right to pick and choose. All right, I like this part, and Jesus, I think I'll do that, but Jesus, I don't really like that part, and I think I'll just kind of set it aside. We don't have that as an option, and, and yet we we do it. We, we'll, we'll have attitudes like this, say things and think, things like this, bring up some statements on the screen here that we'll kind of oftentimes think or, or say, you know. I'm going to follow Jesus, but I'm going to kind of pick and choose the areas in which I want to follow Him. If I like it, I'd like that part I'll do. If I don't, then I won't. Or attitudes like, well, I'll follow Jesus, but don't ask me to forgive the person that hurt me. I'm not going to let go of the resentment. I'm not going to let go of the bitterness. I deserve that because of what they did to me. Or other attitudes like like this. I'll follow Jesus, but don't talk to me about my money. I worked hard for that money. Now, let me stop for a minute. This is not a message on tithing at all. But can I point out something to you real quickly about that type of attitude? It all belongs 1,000, 1,000,000% to him. All of it. And, and the deal with tithing and giving to start with, it's a faith-based thing that he wants us to participate in. He wants us to show God that we trust him, that he can take that 90% in our lives and do more than we can do with 100%. Because, it, I mean, it, it, it does. It, it, takes, it takes money to support missionaries and do church stuff and everything like that. And, and part of an all-in commitment to Jesus also involves our, our, our wallets. It also involves things like our sexual purity. I'll, I'll follow Jesus, but don't tell me to abstain from these sexual desires. I can't help the fact that I have these desires. You know what? That's true, and God knows it. He's the one that created you. He's the one that made you. He's also the one that tells you how to fulfill that desire, and that's in the realm of marriage. Don't ask me to abstain. I'm a follower of Jesus, but that won't stop me from getting what I want. That's the kind of attitudes that people convey. Well, I I will follow Jesus, but only in the areas that are comfortable, only in the areas that I agree with. I'm a Christian, but I'm not all in, is more or less what you're saying. You see, the problem with those kinds of attitudes really boils down to this. If that's how you're thinking, you're just a fan of Jesus and you're not a follower. Because you're operating your life on a whole wrong set of standards. As though you know more than God knows as you know what's best for your life more than what Jesus knows for your life. You understand that Christianity is not a buffet bar to where you pick and choose? You understand that? Don't look at me like you've never been. I can tell some of you've been. You used to be able to tell what I've been, huh? Go to a buffet bar, and it's got all this food spread out. You know? Years ago, I can't remember who it was now, but we were over in Pigeon Forge one time for a for, for a vacation and everything. I can't remember if it was, oh, it wasn't a Denny's, I can't remember what it was. But, you know, they had come up with a type of buffet bar to where you didn't have to walk around. You stood there and it turned around on a dial. That, that's how sorry and lazy we are. We just stand there and wait for it to come around and pick and choose <laughs> what we want off of it as it comes around. And I understand when you go to a buffet bar, you're going to eat the stuff you like and not eat the stuff you like. But you see, that's not Christianity. Christianity is not a buffet bar. And to be honest with you, that's not what we need Christianity to be. We need Christianity to be exactly what is right for us. You understand? I, you're gonna get sick and tired. I can't help where I'm living my life. So where I live my life is illustrations. I kind of, you know, have that are, that are real to me. You know, for me right now, I don't need a buffet bar. I need it limited down to what's right for me. The right stuff I'm supposed to eat. Now, now some of you, since I brought that up, you're wondering. Y'all went to the doctor this past week, and if you're not on Facebook, you've not seen any of it. Uh, uh, I've lost 42 pounds. He took me off of uh, blood pressure medicine I've been on for like 18 years. He took me off of triglyceride medicine that he'd had me on for about five months. Uh, Told me to keep doing what I'm I'm doing, uh, you know, more or less. So uh, I'm just using that for an illustration. I appreciate your prayers and everything. Pray all of a sudden now that I feel relieved a little bit, I don't go the wrong way and go to the buffet bar when I need what's right for me. You and I as Christians need what is right for us. We don't need to pick and choose whatever part of it we think we like. Christianity is not even a democracy to where we vote on it. We don't get to vote on what is right for our lives and what's wrong for our lives. Now, I know churches will vote on whether we do this or do that and everything like that. But God, I tell you something, when a church votes on something, you better be voting on what you think the will of God is. It don't matter what you think. And when it comes to Christianity, I don't have the right and you don't have the right to say, oh, I like this, I'm going to vote for it. I don't like this, I'm going to not vote for it in my life. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity is something that we need to go all in with if you're going to be a follower instead of a fan. We've asked two questions so far. Question number one, why are you here? And if you're here for the wrong reason, it pretty much would answer the question, if you're all in. Because if you're here for the wrong reason, you're not all in. There's a third question we need to ask as we try and define today whether we're fans or followers. Third question is this, have you made it your own? Have you made it your own? Talking about your faith. Have you made your faith your own? In other words, is it personal between you and Jesus? Or do you have some kind of faith that you have just adapted to or you have associated with because your mother or daddy wanted you to? Or your girlfriend or your boyfriend wanted you to? You know, maybe, maybe you show up at church for the wrong reason simply because somebody made you come. As a child, you were made to come, and then maybe when you got to be a teenager old enough, you could have your own license, your own vehicle, and, and, and you kind of went away from church for a little while because they couldn't make you go then, you thought, but then since you were forced to come as a child, you get a little bit older, and then you have your own children, and then kind of by association and adaption, you start to think to yourself, well, you know, my parents took me to church, so I better go to church now and take my children to church. So, you're there, maybe not for the purest of reasons. You understand what I'm saying? You're there because you were there for somebody else. When I was growing up in church, I wasn't necessarily forced to go all the time. We went a whole lot. Then, the church I was going to as a child really had kind of some weird stuff happening. It was a Baptist church, but some weird stuff happened. And I kind of, you know, really got discouraged. And our family kind of quit going. And I didn't go to church for years. And and then one day in high school, I, I asked this curly black-headed girl to sit down on the bus beside me because there wasn't anywhere else for her to sit, it didn't look like. So I thought, well, you know, I might as well be a gentleman, ask her if she wants to sit there. And then we started talking, and then, uh, uh, by the way, it's who I'm married to, so you better be careful who you ask to sit by you guys. And... Uh, and everything. And, and her and her family went to Cub Creek Baptist Church in Wilkesboro. So I started going to Cub Creek Baptist Church in Wilkesboro for the purest of motives. I wanted to set beside of Becky. Didn't necessarily care about the songs because it didn't sound like what I was listening to. You know, I could throw in Led Zeppelin on the way to church, listen to that, and then get there and then, you know, leave and throw Led Zeppelin in again on the way, you know, away from church. But then, even though I was kind of coming because I wanted to be around her, I did start to listen more. And already, I I, I even evaluated at one point. But I, you know, I came to the point where I said, "Yes, I was already Christian, and I just really, really strayed a lot." But I, I, I'm just telling you, I showed up for the wrong reason. It eventually became the right reason, but it was the wrong reason to start with. So, in other words, I I was going through the motions because of somebody else. There's a guy by the name of Judas. And in John chapter 6, verse 70 through 71, Jesus answered them right after Simon Peter had said, Where else will we go? Jesus said, You want to leave like everybody else? Go. And, And Peter says, Where else will we go? You're the one that has the words of eternal life. We're all in. Jesus said, well, not everybody's in. Because he answered them and said, did I not choose you, the twelve, and yet one of you is a devil? He spoke of Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, for he, one of the twelve, was going to betray him. Now now here's, here's the thing about that. To all the rest of the disciples, Judas looked like he was a disciple. There so maybe be people out in the community that would see Jesus and his disciples go through. Judas looked like he fit. But really what had happened, Judas kind of just by hanging out with Jesus and hanging out with the disciples... Kind of he figured out just how to seem like he fit in, and he was happy at that level. Especially as long as they let him keep the money back. Judas loved keeping the money back because he was like getting some for himself, you know? Just. But Judas would have been a fan. He wasn't a follower. He had not made his faith his own by by association with the other disciples. He looked like a disciple. He kind of learned how to do disciple-type stuff and, you know, walk the walk and speak the lingo and, and everything like that. But Jesus said he was a devil. And he's going to be the one that betrays Jesus. Judas had not made it his own. And you see, that's my concern In church, not just our church, but any church, I'm concerned that people can show up and kind of by association, you know, start to like things and start to fit in and start to feel comfortable. And maybe you come because your spouse wanted you to, your girlfriend or boyfriend wanted to, or a friend wanted you to, or a parent wanted you to. And you kind of come and hang out and you get a little bit comfortable with the music and start to learn some of the words and how to find some of the verses. And you kind of, you know, feel like you're, you're fitting in, you're kind of enjoying it a little bit, but it's faith that's not really yours. Just by association and by adaption, you've started feeling comfortable at church. And that's a very dangerous place to be. Just to feel like you're, you're comfortable. Just to feel like you kind of fit in the crowd. And not really have personal faith. That you've made your own in Jesus Christ. See, it's like you think you're okay just because you show up at church on Sunday and you're part of the crowd. After all, it's game day, right? It's Sunday. It's game day. It's a thing to do. Christians show up at church. And you start thinking like that. When really all you've done is adapt yourself to church stuff. Let me illustrate it like this. It's kind of like if if you were riding to work or riding to school or whatever the case might be with a friend of yours, and it's their car, so they get to choose the radio station or the song or the CD that plays. Uh, y'all do understand that's a rule, huh? You know, you're in my car, I get to choose the music I play, okay? My car. So maybe you've been riding with a friend or something like that, and, and every time your friend picks you up, they're playing Aerosmith. And and maybe you don't necessarily care about Aerosmith one way or the other, but this friend's been picking you up, and day after day after day after day, every time they pick you up, it's Aerosmith, 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 Aerosmith. So before long, even though you really didn't care about Aerosmith, by association and adaption, before long you're sitting there, and you're kind of humming along and tapping your foot and everything like that to walk this way, you know? And what's happened is that you kind of culturally adapted to what your friend liked. And you see, I'm concerned that can happen. I'm concerned that can happen with people at church. That you come to church and you learn how to walk this way, you learn how to kind of say some of the Christian lingo. You learn kind of how to go through the motions and look like you fit in with everybody else. You learn how to pick your Bible up and come in. How are you doing today, brother? Oh, I'm fine. You fine? Everybody's fine. Everybody's always fine at church, right? Because we we we've got we we got we got walk this way, you know. And we come in and we just kind of have adapted and we kind of have tried to. To fit ourselves in to the church culture, but that's a very dangerous place to be because you've not made your faith your own. It's like you're in the in the crowd, like I said earlier at the football stadium. You might be cheering and shouting, but you don't understand what it is to be in the game taking the hit. And, and you're just a you're just a fan. See, the truth of the matter is this: Jesus is not looking for a relationship between himself, your mother, and you. How many of you like that kind, would like that kind of relationship? If that was a relationship, I understand you have to put up with it sometimes, okay? <laughs> but how many of you in your marriage are wanting an everlasting relationship between, you know, you and your wife and your mother-in-law? Or you and your husband and your mother-in-law, and that's how the relationship had to always be a little bit a little bit weird on the honeymoon. Jesus isn't interested in a relationship between you and your friend and him, or you and your parents. In him, or you and your girlfriend, or you and your boyfriend in him. Here's the thing about this Jesus wants a personal relationship with you, He wants your faith to be your own. And that's maybe why Jesus said something like this. Now, a great crowds accompanied Him, and He turned and said to them, He's defining the relationship again. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, and yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. In other words, Jesus is saying this, I have to be first. I have to be more important to you than just what your parent wants or your wife wants or your boyfriend or girlfriend wants, or a friend wants. I want a relationship with you. I have to be more important than the relationships you have with other people. I have to be more important than even your own life. That's what Jesus calls for. That's how he defines a relationship. Jesus Christ in first place, period, in our lives. And whoever does not bear his own cross, that thing of commitment again, costing you something, and come after me, cannot be my disciple. Jesus wants you to make it your own. Jesus wants you to have a personal, personal relationship with him. So in these weeks, as we go through this series, will you be honestly evaluating and asking yourself this question? Am I just a fan or am I a follower? And if Jesus shines a light on some things in your life that helps you to see there's some stuff you need to fix, you need to move beyond being a fan and become a follower, you'd be willing to do that. Let's pray. Father, God, I pray right now, and and Lord, just a real intimate, special, honest way that you'll help us to open our hearts up before you, and and you'll help us to define the relationship. God, I I pray right now you'll help each and every heart here, every every mind to to just open up right now, and and honestly to find the relationship that, that they have with you. God, I, I pray, Lord, that, that you'll help us right now to see with clarity if we're, if we're just fans or if we're really followers. And God, if we identify that we've been more fans than followers, help us to move beyond that point and, and, and be followers of you. God, right now, we invite you to ask us the question, why, why are we here? And God, if we answer that for the wrong reason, if we're here more about us than we're here for you and about what you want in our lives and in others, God, I pray you change that right now in our lives. Help us to be here for the right reason. God, I pray right now that, that, that we'll just open our hearts and we invite you to, to ask us the, the question if we're all in. I mean, if we Really bought into what it is to to follow you and be a follower of you instead of just kind of so-so trying to fit into this church thing or Christianity thing, Father. I, I I pray right now that we'll each honestly before you ask the question: have 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 we made it our own? Do we have personal faith in you or? Have we just been going through the motions by by association and by adaption? We've learned just to kind of walk the way of the church, and and yet we don't have a relationship, a real relationship with you. Father, we invite you to make that clear in our hearts right now. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Right now before the band plays. Pretty much the message today has been designed in, in for people that maybe thought they, they would have said they were a follower, but now they might wonder, hey, am I just a fan? But even though that's the case, if you're someone that's here and you know up front without any doubt, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to understand, He wants it, He longs for one, He died on the cross for you. So you can have a relationship with Him. And and it's more than just saying, Oh, I believe in Jesus, I'm going to heaven. He wants a relationship that affects and impacts your life. Instead of having locked off areas in your life, He wants full access to, to every room. Every part of your life. And if you've never trusted in Jesus, why not do that today? But but here's the real intent of the message, and, and the invitation's a little bit different today, and, and, and I really prayed about doing this. I did it in the first service, and I'm not doing it just to try and, you know, draw a response out, because if, if the only reason you would respond in just a minute, and what I'm about to ask you to do, is because I'm asking you to do it, then please don't do it. But if Jesus asks you to do it, please do it. This is going to be a serious series that we're in, and the book some of you are reading. I had somebody at the festival last night, Granted, and said, man, I've been reading the book, and said, I, I, I'm really wondering where I fit in. I mean, am I, am I a follower or just a fan? So what I'm going to ask you to do in just a minute as the band starts to play, if you are willing to say, I am a follower of Jesus, Without apology, I'm going to ask you to come to the front and stand. And you can worship as they lead the song right here from the front of the stage. Also, if you say, well, you know, I'm authentic. I know I'm a follower, but I've been being a little bit too much of a fan. I need to be more of a follower. Then why not make that public also and just come down here and stand? That's if God moves you to, I don't want you doing it for me. Doing something for Lynn Parsons means nothing. But if you'd like to step out from where you are as the band plays and come and stand and say, I'm a follower or I want to be more of a follower than I am, then I invite you to come here. If you need to receive Christ as your Savior, I'll be here at the front, come directly to me, and we'll have somebody to pray with you, spend time with you, talk to you about what it means to be a Christian. But the rest of us that say you know, we're followers, are you willing to just come and stand and say, I'm, Hey, I'm a follower. I want to be more of a follower. Please stand. As the band plays, we invite you to come. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Day Three Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at And for more information, find us on the web at dayfreechurch.com.